influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to Abe Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's Abe Thompson. Woo! Okay, ladies and gents. Welcome to A. Thompson and Other Disappointments, uh, episode 182. Now, Woo! 182. Big things, guys. Um, welcome to Depression Driveway. Welcome to Gallows Humor Boulevard. Misery Likes Company Meadow. Uh, if you're feeling in too good a mood this evening, if you're suffering from a sort of chemical imbalance, I need something to even out that elation, that good mood that you're in. You are in the right place, guys, uh, because, yeah... We're going to bring you down a few pegs. Um, everything is fucked. Now drink with me. That's the vibe <laughs> of this show. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in, welcome to the Friday show. Um, Wednesdays, I spend an hour talking the sort of shit that people usually get slapped about. Um, uh, though it hasn't happened yet uh, regarding the people that I mouth off constantly about. People like Dominic Raab, Nadim Zahawe, Suella Braverman. Um, uh, and then Friday night, I usually have a guest on and... Uh, she and I, or he and I, whoever it might be, put the world to rights uh, by pointing at its many, many wrongs. Uh, if you're a regular listener, uh, if you consider yourself a sort of honorary member of my Binfluencer cult, uh, do consider playfully shimmying onto the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N at the end. Um, and in the spirit of transparency and candor, uh, all shows go up there two days before they go out to Spotify, Apple and uh, again up on youtube um there's also first look at tickets for the live show we did one back in february that was me alexandra haddow uh Ad ashley hayden danny price patsy stevenson there's also london meetups done a couple of those in brick lane lots of tequila drunk good fun i fell asleep on the train home had to pay 30 pounds for a taxi to get back to my fucking house good times uh uh, there's something else happening. I'm not going to go into details yet. Tonight, I'm going to confirm this next week. But there's something else. Patreon and, uh, well, it'll go out to Patreons first. Uh, but it's happening on Thursday, the 28th of September. Um, so that's going to be big. That's going to be fun. Uh, so if you want to know more about that, jump on the Patreon now. There'll be a link in the description. Uh, it will sell out because it's taking place in not a massive venue. Um, so, yeah, look, I, all I'm going to say, I'm not going to labour the point about the Patreon uh, tonight. I'm just going to say this straight out the bat. Jump on the Patreon or I will drown these puppies. <laughs> the fate of these puppies is in your hands. I'm not saying it's definitely your fault, but if something did happen to them, I'm not sure I'd want it on my conscience. So link in description. You know what to do. Uh, guys, tonight I'm joined by a very, very special guest. Uh, I met him in a South Bank bar. Uh, a few months ago, we got talking mm. amongst mutual friends, uh, similar political persuasions. Uh, you guys will know him from co-hosting the weekly Sunday Roast with Max Robespierre uh, and indeed on his own YouTube channel, Political X. He's a historian and fellow member of the Metropolitan Elite Blob with me. Um, and uh, you will find his content, his tweets and everything. He looks a uh, takes a sort of devastating, deadly and eviscerating look at modern politics. Please welcome to the show my guest tonight, Alex Kerr. Woo! I'm clapping myself. Yeah, you got it. You got to do it sometimes. Yeah. Um, how are you doing, man? Are you okay? I'm very well. How are you? Mm. I'm good. It's my first beer of the week, gliding down my gullet. Um, how have you? How have you resisted drinking earlier? Because this week's been mental. Uh, what going like streaming or drinking? No. Just drinking. Wait, do you mean like how have I resisted drinking before Until going... Friday? Oh, right. I see. Yes. No. So, sorry, you said this week has been mental. It mm. has been. Yes. I have, like, I've built up something of a tolerance of, like, not diving for the liquor cabinet every time something explosive happens. <laughs> I think in this this uh, frequency of news cycles and just ridiculous scandal, if I dove for the liquor cabinet every time, I would have shat my fucking liver out by now. <laughs> um Makes how, wonder, it? Yeah, how do you cope? Because you you're not really a drinker, are you? Or no, I reserve drinking till till the month of December, mm. and the rest of the year I'm I'm pretty much teetotal. I mean, give me the right mood. Summer's day, summer's birthday, yeah, wedding definitely. Sure, I'll sure. I'll blow up and just go. Yeah, who cares? Like carry on. But for the most part, yeah, I try and. For, for a variety of reasons, which I don't need to go into, but for a variety of reasons, I don't well, I, th I think we can peel back the layers a little bit. I mean, you know, 
Ooh, ooh, go on. Pick, pick away. Pick it's away. fine. We'll get onto that once I've had a few beers and I've got the Dutch courage up. <laughs> Enough to ask you. Drink for yeah. Me. Um, yeah, I'm drinking for two tonight, guys. Uh, <laughs> big, <laughs> big doff of the cap to the Patreon backers, by the way. Uh, Kerry, silent, uh, for uh, for jumping into the live chat. Ollie is uh, with us also. Uh, guys, if you've got any questions for, for myself or Alex, then by all means drop them in there and I will periodically jump in and uh, and see if we can see uh, see if we can answer them for you. Um, Alex, I wanted to get you on tonight because it's been it has been a, a bit of a crazy week. Everything's blowing up. Everything feels like we're in opposite world at the moment. With so Boris Johnson I've traditionally categorized as a bit of a liar. Don't know if I'm a maverick like that. Is that new ground? To see him as a liar? It's, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's nothing new. No. I mean, it's just been... He's been doing it since what? Uh, the, what was his newspaper? Is that? Not The Spectator. Uh, he was, before that. Telegraph, he, his first paper? Right. He got so, no, he was at The Times when he got sacked for making up quotes, I think. Time ago. Yeah, because yeah, he said he misquoted and got a quote, I think, from his uncle. Mm. His uncle said that after the fact, and he claimed it was from before the fact. Right. So he got sacked. Then I got love sacked the fact. I love that his uncle didn't like back him up. Like his uncle <laughs> had known him already that whole time. He was like, I'm not backing this motherfucker up. He's a shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, even his yeah. family hates him. But the reason I, mean, I, I say that we're in sort of opposite world at the moment is because so I've traditionally thought of him as somebody who's incredibly dishonest, who has this rich catalogue of lies behind him, who uh, betrays everyone that ever grows close to him, who seems to have this majestic ability to fuck over people who are even like just a, a, like adjacent to him. People who have very little to do with him end up scorched by this guy. And yet this is the week where he's like, you know, in the spirit of transparency and candor, you know, I just I've got nothing to hide. I just want to make sure this inquiry is armed with all of the information that it needs to get to the truth. And he's voluntarily handing over the WhatsApps that the cabinet office are th threatening to go to court because they don't want to release it all. So in a weird warped way right now, he looks like the honest guy, right? It feels like something else is going on. He cut. I mean, he is that stupid. Mm. <laughs> At the same time, there's something else. He must have had advice from someone saying, "You've got to. You're going to have to give that over." No, there's no two ways of getting out of this. Mm. But I'm also going. Is he just pressing the nuke button and just terminating the entire thing? He's like, "Right, I'm going down. I'm yanking a lot of you with me, and I'll rebuild my political career." Or maybe he doesn't care about his political career anymore, and he's more than happy just to take his many millions because i mean he didn't pay for any legal expenses has he no well that's yeah a, that's another social policy for mps for the conservative party he's he saved around what two three hundred thousand pounds in legal fees it's you know, yes yeah, reported to be about that yeah two hundred to three hundred thousand um i mean it's, it's amazing how much like socialist benefits you get as an mp but the yeah. rest of us can't get it <laughs> yeah and if you're a tory mp there's no problem with that i mean I was working out the other day. So they get the legal expenses if it's an inquiry or a committee meeting. They get subsidised food. They get subsidised beer or alcohol in general because they've got the bar. Yeah. Um, childcare, I found out, they can claim it back. And then, you know. Childcare, really? Yeah. Childcare. They can claim back childcare. Fucking hell. I should be an MP. Yeah, we should all be MPs. I mean, I'd get kicked Maybe out. Maybe that's the real trick. <laughs> I would get removed from Parliament. There'd be some scandal that would come out. It'd be like old Polaroids of me with cocaine up my nose. And it'd be like, this guy's a scallywag. We need to get rid of it. Like, but as long as I lasted like the four years or so that I still need <laughs> childcare for, I'd be happy. <laughs> but Gove's taking coke. He's still yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. Reese Mogg said he was, he was fine. Been taking cocaine because it was in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But then the police went in and sniffer dogs found coke outside the toilets of Boris Johnson's office and Pretty Patel's, I think it was. Yeah. I'm not saying it's in their office, I said outside in the toilet next to there. Well, Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson pretty much admitted on Have I Got News for You, this is a few years ago, that he had done cocaine. He, he, 
he attempted to take coke and then he sneezed. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Like, I don't want to say anything too sort of... Uh, is it libel or slander if I say it? I can never remember. Um, but I don't want to dig myself into a legal grave here. I mean, if I can keep hold of my fucking house with the increased mortgage payments as, as it is, it'll be a bloody miracle. <laughs> It'd be a, a, a real Greek tragedy if I just clug on to the family home and then got sued into oblivion. Uh, but I'm sure I remember somebody telling me that they knew some shit about Boris Johnson. <laughs> And, it, and then it was Ooh. it was a little bit, you know, I'm not going to go all out here and accuse him of having done what I think we all know I'm alluding to. But I'm fairly certain that it was it was alluded to. <laughs> anyway, let's change the subject before I get myself in problems. Can you point us in? We're going to peel back. <laughs> oh, touche. Going to peel away. <laughs> can, yeah. can you point us in the direction of the area of potential criminality that it could be? Um, I will suggest playfully that it could be speculated. It could have been alleged at some stage in the past by someone else entirely uh, that there may have been an unconfirmed substance that had gone up a banknote into his nostrils and provided some sort of uh, uplifting effect, very chatty effect. Um, However, I'm sure Boris Johnson would completely reject these accusations or allegations. (laughs) Wow. I'm treading so wow. carefully. My lawyer, my solicitor is like poking his head in right now, going, fucking, no! <laughs> We've been yeah, through yeah, this! Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got two allegations. Oh, okay. Allegations about Boris. Go for it. I have a friend of mine who filmed him, and he was unhappy with a story that got released during them trying to film him, and apparently he lunged at them. Really? Yeah, because he thought they were the ones that released the story and they weren't. That's the allegation. The other allegation is, um, and it came out through friends of mine who have connections inside Whitehall, Mm. Boris had sired another kid by his hairdresser and the hairdresser had legged it to Canada. And that came out of multiple sources. That wasn't just one person from Whitehall. There were, like, I was even aware of journalists becoming aware of it and confirming it, but no one has been able to find that hairdresser. That's interesting. Because I've often wondered... I've often wondered if if there was more to the... Because he has a reputation as this sort of Lothario who impregnates women that he just happens to walk past... uh, but it's as far as I'm aware, it's just happened like it's just once. It just happened once because that's the only confirmed, quote unquote, and I hate this expression, but like illegitimate child, like out of wedlock that he doesn't acknowledge and so on. Mm. Uh, but I have wondered in my lesser moments if like, why do they pin this reputation to him if it's as in as I mean, Gavin Rossdale from Bush, who weirdly enough, you kind of remind me of um he had a kid out of wedlock. Uh, but nobody, like, I mean, granted, he's not sort of tabloid fodder in the same way that perhaps Boris Johnson is, but I don't remember anyone going after Gavin Rossdale from Bush and going about, you know, being a Lothario and, like, to, for it to happen once is like, oh, okay. But for them to continuously, like, pound him with this suggests that there's actually more to this that they haven't been able to print for whatever reason. Good pun. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be recognized uh, i don't know what to make of it look we could i could i would happily say and i'd say it to his face he's sociopathic and he's yeah. narcissistic. i don't think anyone's going to disagree with that so then it just comes down to this thing of how likely god i mean why would you go near that mm. it's not it's not well, like he's power is it power and money because it ain't looks no well personality i mean he's a bomb he isn't he isn't james bond is he i mean if you if you were to put him in a category of like secret agent type with a cinematic personality he'd be like mr bean yeah he's fumbling he doesn't really he he slips up verbally and uh accidentally like what what was the thing he did in japan he was visiting japan and like bowled over that up a child yeah rugby i mean 
he's <laughs> yeah, he's just a walking like he's a goofball, right? Yeah. Um, and we made him prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's got silly hair, Alex. Yeah! The Boaty McBoatface of British politics. Great job, guys. But he's very... He's able to hold a speech. I'm sure... I think he could do... If he went on YouTube, he'd probably do well, which is a horrible thing to say. Well, so I think... Yes. And I, I like I've often wondered this, like for somebody like him who obviously needs to be liked, like needs it. He he cannot handle not being liked, which is ironic considering how fucking detestable he is. But um, why would you put yourself in that high profile, hugely divisive position of being a hated prime minister and then provide people such um, yeah, such fodder to hate you? and behave so selfishly when that's such a problem for you. Like, it would make more sense to me for that kind of personality, uh, putting on my old, old school, like, uh, psychoanalysis, psychotherapist <laughs> cap now. Uh, but it would make more sense for me, like, if somebody like that went into hosting, yeah, like a, a Friday night talk TV show. They would pay him fucking handsomely to do that and to interview people who just agree with him constantly and for him to rattle on about the EU and like channel Churchillian quotes and stuff, people would fucking lap it up. He'd get paid a lot of money for that. So why does he persist at this nonsense? It's power. Do you think? It's the one of power. Yeah, it's the biggest aphrodisiac. Mm. Ties into his libido to a certain extent. Yeah, to go back I mean, to what you were saying, why do they? Why do women continue to fuck him? I think it is like, it's a status thing. It's, I think... I, I want to be as as objective as I'm able to be um, and say, look, if I was a floating voter type, you know, 30 year old woman and I didn't re I wasn't really interested in politics and incomes this guy and he's got a bit of power. He's well known. He's famous. And he is to some people. I'm not saying he's hilarious, but to some people like there's a market for his kind of humor calling people like what was it? Captain Hindsight for. Uh, yeah. for Keir Starmer or referring to Pretty Patel as like the Pritster. It's sort of, you know, 19-year-old university student kind of yes. non-humour. It's like, there's no wit to it. It's just, you know, silliness. But when it's delivered in a certain way over a martini in a hotel bar to somebody like Jennifer Arcuri or his current spouse, I can see how that manifests eventually in some sort of liaison. It's disarming, you know? isn't it? With charm. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, I think if Obama had gone up against him, he would have ripped him apart. Yeah. Because that's actual charm. Yeah, it's, it's superficial it's charm. Confidence and, what, with Obama? No, no, with Obama. Johnson. It's like yeah. he's pretending to be his idea of charming by cracking sort of reasonably juvenile jokes. Uh, ruffling his hair up, it's fuzzy, he's a bit silly. With somebody like Obama, you could have an in intellectual conversation, it would yes. be charming, and he would still be fun. <laughs> yes, around, you know? exactly. It's a different calibre, isn't it? Yeah. But we, like, as soon as he got voted in, I knew he'd mess up. Oh, yeah, same. Because, I mean, you just have, all you have to do, it's really interesting, like, the criticism that Have I Got News For You got. To the point where Ian Hislop actually came out on the show and said, we keep getting blamed for Boris's rise to power. You got <laughs> voted for him. Fuck. And you watch, you watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Maybe <laughs> I should only drink in December. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you carry on. So have I got news for you? Was sort of, well, Ian Hislop was defending the show, right? Carry on. But you go back and watch Boris on there. It is. It's entertaining. It's really engaging because you do not know what's going to happen. And he has got this ability to make you laugh. Yeah. But there's also this element where I go back and watch it and I go, I wouldn't, I mean, you're entertaining. Yeah. But I wouldn't put you in power because you're a moron. Yeah. And you watch Ian Hislop and Paul Murphy, they tear him apart. Yeah. He can't, he, and it's interesting to see that caliber being able to do that on TV. But we don't see that in opposition in politics to, to that extent. I mean, Cameron had, very little charm and charisma. I mean, none of them really have. No. Tony Blair's probably the closest we've had. And that was probably only in his like first term. And then 
Well, yeah. it, it, before his first term, when he got into power initially. I think you're right. I think so. Pre number ten, I think Blair had. You know, he was he was a refreshing change. He was yeah. He seemed to be having a good time. He was quite likable. Uh, then when he got in, yes, for the first term, it seemed to be success after success after success. And I'm sort of I, maybe I'm a bit rose tints about this because I was quite young then, and it was before I was radicalized by Brexit. Uh, <laughs> but but then I feel like yeah, he became part of the machine, and people sort of fell out of love with him to to some extent. Um, I think with people like Boris Johnson, what I would have liked to have seen from Keir Starmer was like, yes, a, a sort of a more fire breathing um, castigation of his bullshit, of how obvious it was that he was lying. Just call a spade a spade. If he's lying, just call him a fucking liar. But A, I understand that there's, you know, there's processes, there's precedents that they have to adhere to. They can't just call somebody a liar in the Houses of Parliament, which is frustrating, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and the second thing is, I think if they had if they had just come out and started calling him a liar, he would have then had license to say, OK, about what? And then that would open up this conversation about Brexit. And I think Brexit has served as this effectively a muzzle. It's like it's been a neutering of Labour because they're so fucking shit scared about reopening that conversation lest they lose more seats back in the Red Wall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the Red Wall's quite funny like that. And Starmer, I mean, what, he did that piece in the Express this week? Yeah, yeah. The fuck was that? I mean, I I look at him and just go, I don't know who's giving you advice, and I don't know what... And it's really interesting, because Phil Morehouse has brought this up a few times. I don't know where he's getting his advice from, and I don't know what data he has. Mm. And the reason the data is quite important is because maybe he thinks that the swing voters are going to be the, the linchpin. And maybe he thinks that in order to get that part, get his party over the line, he's got to work within the red wall. Mm. But the fact is, you could say just about anything, and you you get in. Or you could just walk, walk the tightrope mm. and just go right down the middle, look, we're just going to do what's best for Britain simple as that that's all we're going to do whatever works we're going to do it's it's a mystery but it's when... sorry, sorry you go. i was just gonna I'll, I'll finish off on this he went he's now gone down to the, the hard line of brexit mm. and i'm going you've given yourself no leeway and the worst thing is if you look at this long term you're lo you're losing by going down that route you you will not win brexit's done and dusted mm. it's it's finished I don't care what anyone says at the moment. I, I would happily predict this. I've predicted a number of things in the past, and they've all so far come true by one, um, which I, I would turn around and say, this is a really dumb political move. You've just mm -hmm. boxed yourself in, and, and that's the end of it. And I go, is it because of the Red Wall? Is it because of the press? And the press is still having a field day with him because it's going, oh, you're just a flip-flapper. Yeah, You'll just say yeah. whatever. You're not true to, to, to Brexit. And he can repeat it as much as he wants. But I'm going, well, Brexit had, if it was going to work, had three or four years to show its ability. Yeah. And that's gone. Mm. So it's now totally tarnished. And it's interesting, you use the term rose-tinted glasses. That's how we're looking at the EU now. Mm. Wasn't it better back then? Didn't we have more stuff back then? Wasn't the economy better back then? Wasn't yeah. it nice to have freedom of movement? And you've got this whole youth generation that hates it. Yeah. They really hate it i think like, this is why like the male are getting so frenzied about this sort of stuff and why they go in on him so hard is to sort of to try and elicit the same or similar fire as they were able to pre-referendum is to convince at least some subset of people whether they're tories or labor voters that leaving the eu was a good idea and that's why you see these headlines like um you know starmer's threat to brexit or um, you know, Labour are biding their time and then they're going to take us back into the EU and so on. It's like, the thing that confuses me is why Labour pay any attention to that? Because all of the polls suggest that there is this growing number of people who not only regret leaving the EU, that was like a year ago, people started regretting it, but it's like now people actively saying we want to look at rejoining. And yet yeah. there's no bold lead leadership there um, uh, taking advantage of that that 
growing that crescendoing uh, e electoral market of people going like this is fucking shit like what why is no like, even the lib dems lib dems in the last general election they were like bollocks to brexit we're the only remain and rejoin party but i was like fucking hell i might jump in with the lib dems now even, yeah. even the lib dems are like we've got no plans to rejoin the e i'm like why why is everyone so scared of just looking at the polls looking at the economy the situation that we're in and then going that looks shit maybe we should fix it <laughs> Could you imagine going in a car dealership, being told you'll cut the car you're getting is a better car? Yeah. You drive out, and it turns out the engine is smaller. Yeah. And then you're told by everyone in the car who's with you, who was with you at the purchase, don't go back and don't get a refund. Yeah. Who would do that? And yet we're told that that's the situation politically. Yeah. But you've got a massive right-wing press presence, which is... 100% orientated in not going back in. But, but I don't even, like, their readership numbers are going down. Yes. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. And what I don't get with Labour, and I've said it a thousand times, is that the social media is total gobshite. Yeah. It's, like, Labour don't have a decent... Pre why isn't Starmer on YouTube? Yeah. Like, why are they not pumping out stuff on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and... Mm. The impression I'm getting and the feedback I'm getting is they're going to go and start launching their social media campaign a year before the election. And mm. I'm just like, you don't understand social media then. Yeah, but it also it, it opens up a space for other people to then galvanize that political discussion. So they don't have a YouTube channel, or certainly not one that I'm aware of, uh, that constantly puts out new content, that engages the conversation uh, from a left-leaning or centre-left perspective. And so then somebody like our friend Graham Hughes starts up a YouTube channel called Labour Social yep. and then speaks about matters from a sort of Labour perspective and talks about tactical voting. And I'm sure tactical voting is not a conversation that Labour are particularly happy about people having because they would much rather have a healthy majority all labor but in stepping back from engaging the young people through this sort of arrogance of like well young people are always going to vote labor well guess what mate like if you if you're not actually speaking to young people about the concerns that they have floating around in their head i.e rejoining the eu stabilizing the economy that way rather than talking all this fucking hocus pocus about well we're going to make a success of brexit no you're fucking not <laughs> like polishing a turd yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make this the best turd ever you wait and see alex that'd be a really bad really ending rub to, the it hard. To, to the get podcast. all over my sleeves <laughs> be really fucked up if like you came on my show thinking we were going to just talk about politics and then i literally just curled out a brown one and started polishing it you'd be like what the fuck is this hey you were talking about drowning puppies earlier i was yes that was an un <laughs> unfortunate intro uh, do you know what though? It's strategic. I'm gonna here's here's my idea, right? I figured out a week or two ago. I was like, at some point, my pod will end up attracting negative attention. <laughs> it will either like I'll say something bad, or it will be taken out of context, and it will be used to paint a campaign like tactical voting in a negative light. And so I was like obviously i don't want that to happen that cause is greater than my desire to uh even even to to push it I, like i want people to tactically vote and ideally i would like labor to form a sort of coalition government because i think that's the best route to getting proportional representation in however i did think like probably what i need to do then is trim the fat alex and like not not have quotes taken out of context and look outlandish like oh but look what he said two years ago he said this about taking cocaine or he said this about like blah 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 it's much much better now if i just let the crazy out <laughs> <laughs> and then in two years when they go look what he said about like it's like yeah that's the fuck that's what he does like there's is no this, you know this is like one of those youtube tricks where they're like Wait till next week. Were you hearing the beginnings of like you running for MP, Mayor of London? Maybe. Oh, mate, no, God, no, no. Like You've got I to said, reject it at least twenty times. Yeah, it's definitely public. not happening. 
My my campaign to be voted in as an MP or a mayor would be the shortest fucking campaign you've ever heard. It would be like, it'd be like day one. All right, guys, I'm running for mayor for London. Here's my banners. Here's my little, little rosette. Who's who's with me? And like, yeah, 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 we're with you. Great. Day two, these fucking Polaroids have just come out of you, Aid. It's you when you were <laughs> 19. Your eyes are like saucers. And you appear to have two strippers covered in baby oil wrestling around like, what? what is this? I'll be like, I mean, yeah, I still do that now. That, that Polaroid <laughs> just happens to be 15 years old. It's just like... It's not going to happen. I, and also, I feel like, I don't know how you feel with your YouTube show, which we will plug, mm. obviously, now. Uh, uh, but I feel like it's I'm more used to a political cause, just being myself, being a bit independent, talking about things like tactical voting, because then, you know, it's something I'm genuinely interested in. I'm not being ushered by some Labour PR guy or a, a Remain camp or a Rejoin lobby group to talk about this stuff i just genuinely feel like we would be better off if we rejoined um do you, do you get much shit for hosting your shows plural i haven't had any there's been the odd troll here mm. and there i think probably three in total yeah and that's that's two years of being on youtube and pretty good and broadcasting so i mean if that's over two years and i've had three trolls and arguably i run three channels yeah that's not bad going to be honest yeah i mean especially with politics i'm sure that'll change at some point i mean i one of the first videos i did was on russian interference yeah it's really really interesting talking to people about it when i was explaining to people and friends what i was doing and oh you gotta be careful with the russians it's like everyone knew that there's the nasty side to the Russians and they are somewhat embedded in UK society. Yeah. And yet no one wants to talk about it or engage with it. And everyone's worried about, about getting whacked. Yeah. But I was expecting some sort of pushback about that, which is basically a documentary. It's about a 40 minute video on Russian interference in the UK. And I've not had anything from that. I've not had any death threats. I mean, I have more problems living in Peckham and just living here. <laughs> of YouTube. I mean, you know, I've, I've spoken to people who've got much bigger channels than myself. And, I mean, they don't even get people going up to them and asking for autographs. Mm. No one knows who they are. So it's really interesting. You could be this m big person on YouTube, but out in public, yeah. unless you're going on mainstream media, you're just... Something you, quite you, nice you about quite that, hidden, Which is quite nice. It's like celebrity is like... Your, your celebrity fame is just locked into your, yeah. your channel. What about you? Uh, Have you been uh, harangued, harassed? Not really. No, not not so much. I mean, I think it helps, and we should probably acknowledge the fact that we are both, like, straight white men. Uh, so, you know, we get a significantly less amount of shit online than women would uh, in, in exactly the same positions. Uh, because yep. I, I know sort of creators who have a similar follow follow count to me and who do similar products. Um, it's not just the, the, the big accounts, the more prominent ones. It's like, I mean, we all know this from sort of gaming culture. Like a, a guy can jump onto Call of Duty and just have a game with his friends and they call each other cunts when they shoot each other or whatever. A girl goes on Call of Duty within the same circle of friends and she will get fucking mauled by her friends. Like, so it's like when you when you take that kind of mentality and that sort of behavior uh and then wrap that around youtube channels or twitter it's depressingly exactly the same and so i i don't really get an awful lot of hate and the criticism that i do get sometimes um i don't really engage with it i if i can find a yeah. way to make it funny i will do like if somebody on tiktok says god like do you ever do you ever stop moaning like i'll i'll <laughs> I'll clap back. I'll like reply. I'll be like, "Oh man, you should see my fucking Twitter!" Like, <laughs> uh, and I'll try and find a way to make it funny. And then if they clap back again, if it's abusive, if they're just like, "Yeah, well, you're a dick," then I'm like, "Well, now it's not even fun." Like, so see you later. Um, I uh, I go with one of two things. Either I'll grade them. Yeah. And very rarely do they get above a one or a two. Yeah. I've got to come up with something pretty decent. 
and that always ends the conversation. I don't think they know how to respond to that when yeah. they're like given a grade. Because there's an element of when they're, I mean, it's got to be a negative comment. It's got to be a bit harsh. And you're like, right, okay, you're being an ass. Instead of engaging with me in a conversation, you're deliberately shooting down the argument. Yeah. And so it, it is reserved for that type of person. It isn't just because you said something negative. Because I actually want to engage and go, right, right, let's chat about this. Maybe you've got a point. You know, yeah. it's part of my, my thinking. But for a lot of them, the asses, it'll be a grade of one or two out of ten, depending on if, you know, on the comment. If it can make me laugh, I'd give a higher comment, but no one's done that yet. Yeah. I think I think the other thing that's quite interesting as well is, and it depends, again, on, on, on what's said to me, but I will sometimes, I'll try and do a Socratic-Socrates dialogue and I'll try and break down their argument by asking questions. Right. I'll lead in a certain direction. So I've had a few people that are being anti, uh, pro-Brexit, anti-EU. anti, anti -EU. And I'll just start asking them questions. Like they'll go, oh, we want, a, we want a trade agreement. So you'll go, okay, right. So you don't want the political side, but you want the trade agreement side. Okay. And they'll go, yes. And I'll go, right. So uh, within that trade system, do you think it would be a good idea to have, you know, equal footing on both sides? And of course they're going to go, yeah. Yeah. And then you go, right. And how do you organize that? And they'll go, oh, I can see where you're going with this. Oh, this is crazy. And it's like, you, you've got to have some level playing field if you're going to have a big trading block, which yeah. is what they seem to want, but they don't want the rules. And then they'll go, oh, you don't always have to do this. And then you, all, all I ever do is, whenever this comes up, is start asking questions about roads. Do you want the roads to be privately run? Should the road rules be different or should they all be the same? What is, it, what is better economically? Is yeah. it better to have different road systems and different rules for different cars all across a trading block? Or is it better to have some uniformity? And don't get me wrong. You know, I, I can give my criticisms of the EU. But when it comes to sort of like low level management and making an equal playing field to make everyone have like profitability from being in this trade trading block. Yeah. It's really interesting to see how they struggle with that. So I, I, I go for the Socratic dialogue questioning style. And generally what happens, I've seen people who troll other big YouTubers try and troll me. But as soon as I start doing that, they just shut the conversation down. Yeah. They don't want to engage anymore. But they're happy to be verbally abusive to others, which is I just find fascinating as a way of dealing with people. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like it kind of speaks to the or it gets to the core of the Brexit debate, which is like t typically and perhaps I'm biased or maybe it's just my perspective. But it always feels like it's, you know, high vis guys outside the Houses of Parliament shouting stuff at Anna Subri. If you ask Anna Subri how she feels about the about the eu or about having left or what should have happened regarding a people's vote she'll be very clear and succinct and she'll give you reasons and facts and st statistics as to why she feels like that and then on the flip side it's just as you've alluded to there anger hate and then faced with the facts or the stats behind it shut down silence or more anger it's depressing isn't it somewhat depressing somewhat typical human reactions and actions i mean you know i'm basing this as being a historian and i'm you know i'm very well versed in socrates and what he did and his dialogues and again i can make ample criticisms of what he said at the time and some of his views but at the same time he faced a similar level of backlash mm. when he was trying to talk common sense yeah you know when he was like asking these decent questions i mean his views towards the gods i mean he was accused of corrupting the youth but and all he was doing was going around asking questions. I mean, there were leading questions. I think uh, there's something to be said about that as well. But it's interesting to see that he faced these similar sort of, not issues per se, but like similar things that he saw as problematic and was questioning and going, this doesn't seem right. Can you give me a valid reason as to why you've come to that conclusion? Yeah. And when he pressed them, they couldn't. And I find that very similar to, to Brexit. There isn't really a pressing. I mean, if you've gone... You, you don't see it on TV, and it, it's interesting. We were talking, you know, earlier we were talking about being on TV and, and, and how to react to that and how to how to deal with that. You're not given 
Well, the beauties of YouTube, you're given time to dissect and discuss these things. But if you go on mainstream media, you've got to have a soundbite. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have the ability to dissect and pull apart what they've said in rapid fire succession with it. I mean, you'd have to be well practiced and versed in so many topics to be able to do that. Mm. And that's the problem. You know, Nigel Farage can come off with these quick little witty comments. And it's very hard to be able to break that down without dissecting it. And you don't have the time to be able to do that on TV. Yeah, I've noticed that. And it's it's a real it's a real skill for some people to to be able to hone that and craft that ability to just fire this stuff off. And you, you you're right, like maybe it is a very well practiced uh set of sound bites that they've rehearsed all day that day before they go on tv i get the sense for some people it's not it's just innate they just know this shit they got great memories and they're incredibly articulate i'm not like that really like i'm i'm okay conversationally with you or whoever the guest is each week but doing things like stand-up for example i have to i'm i'm a fucking mess beforehand like for four hours before i'm going over it over it again such is my fright that i will fumble my words or i'll forget which line leads on to what line it's like i wish i wish i could have the ability that some of these panelists on like a question time or news night uh appear to have um i mean i heard beyonce's got her own stage name which is interesting it is a different i can't remember what it oh, is oh yes <laughs> sasha fierce right so she isn't her when she's on stage she's that's right and so you're like, it's really interesting to see that. And of course, within, I, interesting enough, I did used to have a lot of interaction in stand-up in, mm. in my youthful days for over a decade of, uh, of being in the stand-up world, not being on stage, but being around it. And it's really interesting to see that a number of them had separate personas. Oh, really? So, yeah, I I'm not going to name drop. I always, always avoid doing that with, when I interact with any celebrity, but I'm aware. I remember one in particular, and he had his offstage persona, which was really pretty meek, actually. Right. He had his onstage stand-up persona, which is pretty verbal, pretty much solid verbal diarrhea, but really witty. Right. And then his TV personality was charming flirtatious yeah. very engaging with that wit and you're like wow you've actually got three separate personalities depending on what sort of scenario you're on and yeah. what works but it was really interesting to see off stage off camera this meek and mild very nice but not that flamboyant persona. yeah it's funny though i think like a lot of a lot of stand-ups sort of fall into that where they have this sort of uh, like Mitch Ben was talking last week about how he's a, a introverted extrovert or something. He was like, you know, he's outgoing. He has no problem st stepping on a stage. It's, he doesn't have any stage fright whatsoever and never has done. Uh, but if you meet him, you know, out and about at, at a gig or someone else's gig or, and you got chatting to him, you wouldn't think that he was like showy or outgoing particularly. <laughs> Um, and I sort of feel like, I don't know, like maybe I fall into that trap. Like I, I can host a show like this and I can do the Wednesday show and I like doing stand up. but if you put me around a dinner table with like friends, I'm not the guy that would be like, you know, reeling off funny stories that everyone's listening to. And, you know, it's, that's just not me. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I, I work, okay. yeah, I still work as a teacher. You've got to put on a certain mask there when you're engaging with the students. Yeah. And there's an element of performance there as well. Because at the end of the day, you've got to engage with them to get them to understand a topic. And the best way to do that is a more flamboyant, energized yeah. persona than you necessarily would be. Yeah. yeah. I, there's an element. All of us have masks to a certain extent as well, which is which is fascinating. I think YouTube is is really good for getting rid of that though. I mm. think I think audiences can really see through it. And I think being on stage, though, is slightly different. Being on TV is slightly different. I think on YouTube, you've got that. The more authentic you are, the the bigger your audience growth will be. I think that's a, that's a key element towards it. But I can also see how building a certain persona can 
push you yeah. in a certain different direction and can also be workable. Yeah, it can kind of work both ways, kind of. It's like I, I saw Maybe a guy wrong, yeah. I saw a guy on TikTok a few months ago and he had it was so fucking believable. He he was going on TikTok as though he was this guy and he was pretending to be a guy who's on benefits and he was bragging about how he's on benefits and everyone else is a loser for going to work because now he's going to pick up his dole money and check it out. I've got it like here and now I'm going to go to Brighton for the day. And now like we sort of goading the sort of daily mail class, if you like, of like, you know, this is what I do. I've just, I just fuck about all the time. I get free money. You losers are all off. Doing it. But it was so fucking believable. I was like, is this a parody or is this like, <laughs> and like my girlfriend was like, it's a piss take. I'm like, it's really well done though. Like it's, you know, normally there's like an exaggeration joke in there somewhere to, to make you go, ah, oh, okay, I get it. But like there wasn't, I was like, so now I feel dirty. Cause is, is he mocking people who are on the dole? Or is he, am I thick for not getting whatever the joke is? Or, you know? Rosie Holt had that, didn't she? What, Where they thought people, people thought she really was. Oh, yeah, still do. Yeah. And there was that amazing moment where she she nailed it and said, when everyone was talking about the cost of living and how people couldn't afford to eat, she did a video in the style of Grant Shapps, which was, if you're really struggling for food and, and calories, you can always just lick the crumbs off your plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's wicked. She's really taken, like, so when I first saw her videos, I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's, yeah, pre like, pretending to be an MP. Okay, cool. And then she sort of developed. I think that's what I like about it is the fact it's developed mm. over time. Because um, obviously it started with just her filming herself on her phone. Uh and then it became sort of nicely edited, like it's her alongside a Sky News presenter, very cleverly done. Uh, and then after that, it's become like it's become well, it's become a podcast and it's become its own like live show. And uh, and yeah, like I was, I was looking at the comments in one of her videos the other day and there's still people in there saying like, this is outrageous. You know, they truly believe <laughs> this is a Tory MP. Um we are getting to a stage, though, where people I know who are stand-up are saying it's hard to write satire. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's so outrageous what they're doing. Yeah. And yet it's still tolerated. I mean, people are tolerating this stuff. I was... So I'll slightly plug this. I've just finished a book I've been writing on the French Revolution. Yeah. And I, I did some research trying to figure out what the peasantry diet was during the revolution. Yeah. And then I was like, so what would be that diet within a calorie intake? And when they kicked off, the calorie intake was about 1,800 calories. Yeah. Per person. Okay. We were about 1,990 calories for the poorest 10%. Yeah. And we still haven't kicked off. Maybe it's got to drop. Because it was really interesting listening to Mog go and go absolute mad about the fact that people were shoplifting such large numbers. Yeah. I was in the shop. I was in the shop, not in Peckham, but somewhere else the other day. And it's early Sunday morning. And the police have been called in at like 8 a.m. because a lot of people have gone into the shop and just robbed it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just that desperate for food. And I overheard the police say, there's not much we could do, yeah. even if you've got the CCTV camera. We're not going to chase them. And they're telling that to the shop clerk in public. And you're going, have we actually got to that situation where Stillian was going? And, and the, the, the real thing there is, I mean, the Tories have nicked hundreds of, or given hundreds of billions of contracts and ppe yeah you don't even very spare over that that's it's almost like the tories can't handle like they like they look at one pound 25 and they're like okay that's bad you shouldn't steal one pound 25 yeah but it's almost like you stole one million pounds you <laughs> must get up very early in the morning well done bravo like, that's, yeah that's excellent well, fraud. they do it 
the legal way though don't they they do they they like they'll tell their mate who sets up a company and puts it in his wife's name and then that company has to pay a license fee to the to a shell company that's based in jersey which funnels money out to a swiss bank account and and then somebody gives a ppe contract or something similar to this guy's wife's company so there's no direct link and then the money is funneled out like through three or four different companies and then a journalist picks up on it and goes like, so when are you going to file those accounts? Are you going to file them soon? And like, oh, this is weird. You haven't filed any accounts for like three years since the pandemic. Since I wrote you the check. When's that coming? And they're like, oh, uh, probably, probably just going to fuck off for a bit. Uh, see you later. Um, but it's all legal. Like there's, there's not that much that they can. I mean, I imagine this is why they've had such a hard time actually like, uh, arresting or charging or prosecuting baroness moan is because the sad truth of it is just because she has pressured a government minister to use her husband's company like what the fuck are you gonna do oh well i got an email through from a baroness who said that i should use okay, and then i signed it off well okay did you tender it no but we weren't tendering anything because it was in the middle of a pandemic we were rushed yeah. like there'll be an excuse there'll be you know, all of the laws will become guidance. So we'll, we tried to follow the guidance, but then, you know, everything gets diluted to the point where it's like, look, actually nothing illegal happened. So you just have to say goodbye to your 60 million. It was in the case of Baroness Moan. Uh, whereas if you or I or, you know, your uh, one of your students or, you know, somebody who's a little bit like in one of the struggling layers of the socioeconomic ladder, goes into a Tesco and they're fucking starving and they just pick up a loaf of bread and, you know, a couple of packets of crisps or baby formula is a big one now. Yeah. Uh, they take that, shove it under their coat. That is just so instantly a crime. And we're so conditioned to think that if you see someone putting something under their jacket, well, they must be morally fucking bankrupt. Why would you steal from a shop? That's horrible. Like... And actually what we need to do is sort of reset that conversation, don't we? And be like, look, it's a cost of living crisis. People are fucking desperate. The people who steal from a Tesco are not... They don't want to be stealing from a Tesco. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You're right. You're, you're absolutely on the money there. And it goes back to that. I could show you how to do it. I could show, it, it, it's what, so... I, you could, I could literally show you how they do it. Mm. I, I, it, it Christ... You can set up a bank. I think it's in um, Antigua online. Yeah. If you've got enough money, you got. I think. I think it's. I think it's ten k. You got ten k space. Set up a bank. Once you set up a bank, I mean, you're laughing in terms of money. Yeah. Because you can loan it out to yourself. But you can set up a company here in fifteen minutes, and then you set up a second company in fifteen minutes. That second company buys the first company. Mm. The first company owns the service. Second company owns the assets, the tools, the computers, the warehouse. And you're already creating these layers. Then what you do, you set up a trust. Mm. And the trust buys the first, the second company. And so all three are layered. Yeah. And then you just set these trusts up in different countries. You can either set them up in the UK and it's really hidden. Taxman doesn't have, sorry, I shouldn't say that. The tax person doesn't have the equipment available and the resources needed to chase these guys. Yeah. And that's that's part of the problem. I mean, Richie Sunak isn't going to be chasing that 40, 60 billion that's gone missing. No. Mainly because it'll be his friends that will. I mean, this goes back to the WhatsApp chats. Why is he releasing? Yeah. There must be something incredibly dodgy in those messages for him to be so funny about it but then also just to sort of circle back to what we've started talking about at the beginning but with boris johnson for boris johnson to be so adamant that he's going to provide these messages to the person that he thinks fucked him over and took his job like those two things together tell me that rishi sunak has something like there's some skeletons there something embarrassing is going to come out i mean to a certain extent half of it already has hasn't it I think I think it's pressing the new button. Well, I mean, all the parties. Oh, I, right. I, I, I thought of a decent analogy with this of World War Two today. Imagine a situation where during World War Two, everyone's told not to have the lights on. 
So everyone goes, right, all curtains, blackout, all lights, so the Germans can't find us and bomb us. Yeah. And the prime minister at the time goes, for moral reasons, I want our staff to have a lovely day, so we're going to put Christmas tree lights up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's nothing to do with the rules. We haven't broken the rules. And it's, you know, not our fault that the Germans tipped a load of bombs over that location. Yeah. And, and the rules were never really... I mean, it was guidance at the end of the day. The guidance yeah. was followed. Um, and they were all working. It was just morale that we needed to boost. Yeah. So we had to put the Christmas tree lights up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah, except in this case, like now, with social media feeding people misinformation and so... Like, you would now have half the country saying there is no war though there's no war <laughs> there's no such thing as a plane what's a plane <laughs> should we do some questions from uh from youtube anyone on the live yes. stream got any questions let's have a quick look um type quickly now if you do let's just have a quick scan up uh stuart says i'm shocked johnson has a hairdresser <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that earlier. Like when you said, you know, apparently impregnated the hairdresser and she'd flown off. Like that is the most shocking part about that story is that he's ever been in any hairdressers. <laughs> um, good, good point, Stuart. Um, let's just keep going. Maybe the kid was sired by the Medichlorans, says Spank. I'm not sure what that means. That's uh, Star Wars. Is it? I think so, yeah. So are they suggesting that he's Darth Vader and Luke's been taken to Canada? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Silence says, Silent says uh, people who steal from Tesco don't want to be stealing from Tesco. Damn right. They'd rather steal from Waitrose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Eric says, is Starmer too old to be PM? What do you think? Old in its ways. Yeah, he's an old soul, isn't he? He's a bit boring. Yeah. He's a bit like I, I did a stand up bit about this the other week. Where I'm like, you know, I get why people don't like Starmer. I understand it. But it's like I look at the Tories, 200,000 dead, 37 billion spaffed on this app and nobody knows what the fuck it did. Uh, VIP contracts, corruption here, incompetence there fucking dead body like people can't afford their heat. Like, all, like the whole country's in a fucking mess. But then on the other hand, Starmer's a bit boring, and it's yeah. Oh, it's a tough, tough decision that one. Uh, anti break, uh, anti rejoin though. That's the thing that's yeah. I mean, I've looked at the looked at the leaked policies. Yeah, and I was like, they're all right, but don't solve the problems. No, it's like they're trying to patch over it with a very flimsy band aid. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I mean, there's a couple of schools of thought on this. The first one is that he's a Tory light and he can't verge too far away from what the conservative policy is because he wants to continue to attract these floating voters. Uh, I have some sympathy with that. Then there's this other sort of more left of centre idea that he's being actually quite disingenuous, that he does really want to realign with Europe and that eventually mm. we will rejoin the single market. But he can't say that right now because it's too politically toxic. Uh, then why box yourself in? Yeah, I don't... That's kind of politics. I, like, to me, that stinks of shit leadership it's like yeah. you've got the polls you've got a shit party in government that you're almost certainly going to beat why not just come out front and center and say yeah look as a country i didn't fucking sign up for this but as a country we all voted to leave we all can see through this stat that fact this spreadsheet that everything has gotten shitter so why don't we just 180 and try and fix the problem where all of these problems are stemming from you know that's it that's it um, guys, total drought of questions. Really disappointed in you. If you could just up your game for next week in the live chat, that would be uh, that'd be great. Um, no, thank you so much to to everyone for for tuning in and uh, for continuing to support the podcast. Um, I'll be back next Wednesday with the solo show next Friday night. I'm super super psyched. I've got a, a special guest coming in, uh, coming in, coming on. Uh, her name's Sean Smith. She's an Australian comedian. Uh, founder on Twitter, shared by Doug Stanhope. Uh, she's got wow dark comedic sensibilities i will pre-warn you there's a trigger warning there's likely to be some foul mouth language going on a bit of alcohol 
and uh and yeah it may it may ruffle feathers i'm not sure yet but i love her stuff i think you guys will too so i'll be back next friday for the guested show with sean uh thanks once again to my guest tonight alex kerr do go and give him a follow subscribe to his youtube channels uh he's on youtube as political x he's also on twitter as that uh but he's also co-host of the sunday roast with max uh robespierre so go and seek him out they do a, a sort of panel discussion every sunday uh, go and give him a sub and yeah follow him on twitter also as at political x uh, until next time guys keep it booge stay strictly hashtag binfluencer and i'm out this motherfucker yo 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 this episode was powered by my patreon backers over at patreon.com forward slash aid thompson special shout outs to bowman chris david mojo sabian pingu t-rex in a top hat aaron alex and kai that some of these names might not actually be the real names. Uh, Jeff, Peter, Sarah, Silent, and Ailsa, and then Anthony, Eddie, Fat Shirley, Mal, Rodri, Stuart, and Kerry. Thank you so, so much for continuing your support of the podcast. And I'm looking forward to catching up with each of you at the next London meet or the next gig. I don't know. Big doff of the cap to all of you. You give my funny boner funny boner. <laughs>